This Spotlight episode of the podcast is sponsored by Shard Secure. Shard Secure is the world's most innovative data security company, disrupting the data privacy and security market with MicroShard technology, the only solution capable of breaking data into single-digit bytes and distributing across cloud locations without sacrificing performance. MicroSharding provides zero data sensitivity for cloud-stored or on-prem data and can be used with or without encryption to provide true defense in depth. Shard Secure works with some of the world's most successful companies in healthcare, financial services, and technology to ensure ultimate data privacy and compliance, while making data migration to the cloud more secure and faster than ever. Check them out at shardsecure.com. Hello, and welcome to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by Shard Secure. Securing data at rest seems like a problem that we should have solved a long time ago, and yet a quick scan of the headlines tells us that the truth is far from that. Barely a week goes by without revelations of large-scale data breaches and leaks from both corporate networks and, increasingly, cloud-hosted infrastructure. In recent days... Online gaming firm Sega Europe admitted that an audit revealed sensitive data was being stored in an insecure Amazon Web Services S3 bucket. In December, it was the audio equipment maker Sennheiser, which admitted that it exposed the personal data of 28,000 customers, again, through a misconfigured Amazon S3 storage bucket. Encryption tools for securing that data are widely available, but they come with costs, both in terms of management overhead and in speed and performance. Besides, public key encryption has been the go-to for securing digital data for four decades. Isn't it time for another approach? Our guest today says that he may have one. Mark Blackmer is the head of marketing at Shard Secure, an innovative Boston-based startup that has come up with a novel way to secure data on-premises and in the cloud without using encryption. As its name suggests, Shard Secure fragments and scatters stored data across various data repositories, only to reassemble it on request. In this podcast interview, Mark and I talk about micro-sharding, the shard-secure patented technology, and how it works. And we also talk about the market and business dynamics that are driving companies to look beyond the usual suspects when it comes to securing data at rest. My name is Mark Blackmer, and I'm the head of marketing for Shard Secure. Mark, welcome back to the Security Ledger podcast. Thank you. It's good to be back. It is good to have you back. You you were here in a, in a different in, incarnation. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, I was. So, Mark, for our listeners who have not heard of Shard Secure, and you're a fairly new company, so that's possible, tell us a little bit about Shard and what they do. The simplest way I put it to people, because what we do is different, uh, it's like RAID 5 for data in the cloud. Um, so basically, it's a technology that we have a patent pending for. It's uh, called MicroShard technology. So if you're familiar with the idea of uh, sharding databases, for example. Um, but I mean, really, the way that it works is we present ourselves as storage to an application, for example. But on the back end, you can use multiple cloud providers, multi-region, a hybrid between on-prem, data centers, cloud, whatever the, whatever the case is. So, and, and let me be clear, this is the customer storage as we're not a SaaS. But basically what we do is you save a file or an application saves a file to storage, which is us. 
And then what we do is we go through this three-step process, which we call shred, mix, and distribute. So basically what we do is we take that file and we shred it into what we call micro shards. And so these by default are four byte um, shards. So the idea is that one micro shard just isn't big enough to hold any sensitive data, like a full social security number or a phone number or anything like that. The next step that we go through on the mix is we have these virtual micro shard containers. So we'll randomly mix those micro shards into different containers. We can throw in poison data as well, just to make things a little more confusing. And then the distribution part is then, depending on how many storage locations you want to deposit these things in, we then distribute those micro shard containers to all those locations. So you could have a container in S3, you can have another one in Azure, you could have one in a data center, uh, GCP, whatever the case is. So that that's kind of that, we just spread all that out. So that's that's the process by which we micro shard. And then when uh, the customer wants to use their file on the back end, we pull all that back together. They just see their file as they normally would. Um, so that's it in a nutshell. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into more of it, but that's that's the basic concept. It's really a fascinating concept. And obviously the, the name shard kind of says a lot. You know, you're, you're breaking this data into small bits and then distributing them in a way that makes it impossible for anybody to kind of put them all back together themselves. One way to, one thing to point out is this would be an alternative to the means that, or the technology that most organizations are using to secure data, which is of course encryption. Um, can you talk about that? We look at encryption as, uh, dare I say, frenemies. We're not looking necessarily to replace encryption. I mean, you look at something like regulations uh, like HIPAA, you have to use encryption. So there's nothing wrong with encryption. And I should point out that we're focused on data at rest. So this isn't about yeah. you know, securing data in motion. Right? So we're talking about at rest. Communications and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's not where we play. But when we're looking at data in rest, at rest and whether to encrypt or not, I mean, I think there are things to, to consider such as key management, uh, key rotation, how much hardware do you need? You know, what does it add meaning encryption to the administrative overhead, the the likelihood of making a mistake. Um, if somebody does pop a location that's encrypted, um, you know, could they get your keys or your keys properly protected? Um, and then two, if you think about it, it's all safe to assume that there are nation states out there just sucking up encrypted data and they've got time to work on it. And if your data is valuable for a short period of time, you're you're good. But if it's you know, long-term storage and it's going to sit there for 10 years, five years, you could be exposed and then everything's in one location. So where we're looking at it when it comes to encryption is number one, we can also micro shard encrypted data. So there is that possibility or where it's not necessarily needed. We're also, th this is an alternative to say, and kind of a lightweight alternative, if you will, because we're not key-based and there's no single location. And and even if you do pop a location where there's micro shard data, that's just a piece. So an attacker to put together micro shard data has to know all, where all of the rest of the micro shards, those containers are stored. They have to know all of that. They have to know what kind of file type it is. They have to know what's poison data and what isn't and what order things go together. So really the complexity is a lot higher. So uh, back to the point of encryption, 
yeah, we work side by side. I would think of us as another layer for those, you know, crown jewels, if you will. And then also to a much lower head alternative where you don't, where you aren't required to put encryption. You're listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by Shard Secure. And I mean, in terms of like the use case here, there there are a lot. And I think our, our listeners are, are probably uh, familiar with, you know, the many instances and many headlines they've read about, for example, data backed up to, let's say, Amazon's S3 storage cloud that is then exposed inadvertently to you know, malicious actors or frankly, you know, white hat security researchers who just happen to be looking for it. And uh, I, I note there was a, uh, there was an incident over the summer with a company called People GIS, a major technology provider to municipalities, particularly in the Northeast. And they left a terabyte of data, basically close to 2 million files from municipalities were exposed via a misconfigured Amazon S3 bucket. Hugely you know, uh, this is information on property owners and, uh, you know, uh, sensitive information in, in some cases. Um, this type of stuff happens all the time. And obviously, we don't read about most of it, you know, and most of them don't make headlines, right? I mean, there, there, there are incidents of this that just never, never see the day, light of day. But um, I'm guessing that's, that's kind of the type of problem you could help with, right? Where we've got, we've got some, a big blob of data that is being backed up to the cloud, which is great but left vulnerable by somebody misconfiguring that uh, that cloud-based storage bucket. Absolutely. I mean, you know, look, people make mistakes. It, it happens all the time. I mean, we're human. You know, it, and I'm certainly not immune. I, I remember one time, you know, I, I set up my home network with all these multiple VLANs. And, you know, I was kind of like, all right, this is the guest network. And, I, you know, I was so proud of myself. And like six months later, I just realized I was handing everything out from the same IP pool. And you know, so it was just window dressing. And like I was working for Cisco at the time. <laughs> so, you know, mistakes happen, man. It just, it just happens. So, yeah, because, I mean, if you think, again, this idea of how we've distributed those, those micro shards or those micro shard containers. So if I accidentally expose an S3 bucket to the world, again, what an attacker or let's just say unauthorized user would get is just a piece of you know, random information. So they can't do anything with it. It has no value. So if they, like, even if it's the, even if it's a plain text file, right? So if there's no other encoding to it, like you'd have with a PDF or an image or something like that, they just don't know because they have to find all the other bits and put them all back together. And the likelihood of that happening is really small. So that is that is a use case, you know. I mean, you don't want to pitch it as, "Hey, if you screw up, we have you covered." But mistakes well, do happen. Yeah, <laughs> I pitch yeah. it that way. <laughs> I know. You know, you think being the marketing guy, you know, yeah. that they would have let me do that, <laughs> but uh, not so much. But no. Yeah. But I mean, seriously, it's it's just um, these things happen, and that is a use case. I mean, like even you know, or things that are outside your control. You look at GDPR because that that's become a popular use case that we're hearing about. You know, for us specifically, because even sometimes companies go to do the right thing. I mean, that that's one of the things you go to the cloud, you got to trust somebody else to do your security. And if you're looking at data residency, so even if your stuff's not exposed to the internet, what country is it in? 
what what laws then are you subject to that the EU does not have, for example? So even if it's not your mistake, if it's your cloud provider's mistake or, or somebody else's, yes, we will. We do offer protection in that because nobody gets the whole picture except anyone who's an authorized user. So in that case where you've got an application that's backing up to the cloud, where does the shard technology kind of slot in? And on the back end, do you now need like multiple Amazon F3 instances to distribute the data to? Or like, how does it work? Yeah, so it's going to be however many storage locations that you want to distribute this this to. I mean, we recommend a minimum of four so that it, it's that much harder to put things together. Um, whether or not it's with the same provider, so maybe what you do, let, let's just say it's it's all Amazon, maybe different regions, different S3 buckets, uh, maybe you know part of the one container goes to on-prem so that not all of it's out out there. Whatever the case is, you know, again, we say a minimum of, of four locations, we can go up to 10 and I believe more. So it depends on how complex you want to do it. So from that perspective, but again, we're using what the customer has. So they can they can make that determination. And you said they could be both cloud and on-prem. Like they don't they don't have to say, you know, here's the data that's on the cloud and here's the data that's on IT assets that, that we're owning and operating. You can spread your data across both of those. Yeah, that's correct. You know, and, and it it's uh we say the cloud a lot. I mean, it's just quite honestly, it's just easier to say cloud data. But because we do on-prem, this works with across multiple data centers. I mean, we do have customers, uh, there's one in particular, who actually doesn't use the cloud. All, all, their, all their use cases are basically on-prem or within their own network. And what we do is we have a, an iSCSI module that'll run on, uh, you know, just say, a Windows server, a Linux server, whatever the case may be. So we look like just network storage. So two advantages to that, you can use the you can use on-prem, or if you have an application that is not, say, cloud-capable, it sees network storage, but really the back-end, we're, we're using the cloud. Um, so it, it can actually, it's both just as easily, really. Talk about how this data is kind of reassembled. It's a very cool concept that you're kind of pulling data from these different um, repositories and reassembling it. So talk about that. And also, I, my understanding is, one of the other benefits of this technology is if that data, any of that data has been modified or tampered with, Shard is going to recognize that and be able to alert on it. So explain kind of that data integrity piece of it as well. Exactly. So basically what happens is we're as we go through the process, so again, say you save that file, it comes to our, and what we are is we're actually a virtual appliance. We're all software too, by the way. So it comes to the virtual appliance, just looks like storage to the application. We go through that whole shred, mix, distribute process that I talked about. As we write to storage, we always do an integrity check on every one of the containers that that you know make up that file. So where everything is really data at rest, there should be no modification on the back end. Any modification is going to be an indicator of compromise. And anyway, so when we pull it back, we check again to make sure that the state of that container hasn't changed. Assuming it's not, it hasn't, we just reassemble it and the, the user gets their file. Now, if we notice that there's a change, we know what the last known good version was. 
So number one, what we do is we just roll it back. So again, the user doesn't notice anything's amiss. Uh, they continue working and doing what they do. As I mentioned, there's no reason this should change on the back end. So that, like I said, that's an indicator of compromise. So we'll alert. So whether we alert directly or into the SOC, however the case is, so we'll generate an alert saying, hey, this has been this has been tampered with. And then that becomes part of the SOC's workflow and really should be investigated because there's no reason for that to happen. And we're able to do that. And that's kind of another part of the, the RAID 5 analogy is because you could also just take a site out completely. So it's, it's not just a matter of, so there's the data integrity around modification, could be deletion, uh, could be that the site is unavailable, whether it's a firewall misconfiguration or, you know, what was it like last two weeks ago? You know, hurricane. Yeah, yeah. AWS <laughs> went down in the east. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. if you're if you have a, you know, if you have a container or one of you know our our stuff's going to S3 in that region, for example, plus you know three or four, however many others, we can rebuild that data. So again, it's kind of like that RAID five concept where we're actually using a form of parity to put it all back together. So again, as a user, for whatever reason, if I lose my cloud storage service. You know, I'm still working. That that still continues. So that's that's something that's that's pretty cool about it as well. So it's not even you know the the distribution of it and not really or I sh I shouldn't say never. You never know. But you know, not being able to really crack that, but also too that ability around resilience and availability is something that is pretty cool. And you can imagine we're we're getting a lot of excitement about. So, so for example, any of these shards, there are redundant versions of those shards in other locations so that if one site goes down, you can restore those from a redundant location as with, as with a RAID array. Well, it, yeah, it, but it's not so much, I should point out, not redundant. It's because of that parity, we can do the math to reconstruct oh, interesting. What, was, okay. what was missing. So th yeah, it's almost like RAID 5 versus RAID 10. Okay. Right? So there's, there's not a mirror image of it. Uh -huh. um, it's just that parity so that we can do the, the math to, to reconstruct what's missing. And when it comes back up, we'll make sure that the updated version Mm -hmm. you know, either A, check, check we'll wait right. till it's up or two, what you can do is say, all right, especially like, let's say it's a ransomware attack, you know, uh, cloud admin gets popped, encrypts your S3 bucket. Um, I shouldn't just say S3, but that's what kind of what everybody's using. It's nothing against Amazon, <laughs> I swear. It could be Azure, it could be Google, it, it could be right. Exactly. Rackspace, Rackspace, it, it, whatever, right. Exactly. Any of the above. But uh, the thing is, if, if, you know, you're under, say, a ransomware attack, you don't want to keep writing back to that location because it's just going to keep re-encrypting. I mean, we'll deal with it, but you also have the ability too to say, all right, I'm going to now move everything from that location to a new location. And then that way too, as we're working, we don't rewrite back to the place that's under attack. Um, so that way too, you, you avoid that. So there's a lot of flexibility there. Yeah, it's kind of a resilience piece to this as well. Yeah, if you hear about a ransomware attack, it's like, oh, we'll just restore from backup and then that gets popped because, you know, that's, <laughs> then you're hosed. Right. I mean, in fact, I think, I, I forget, I think it was the Sophos um, report. They did the, the state of ransomware report. And I think they said something like, I forget what the number was, but I think it was like something like, you know, 50 or 60, only about 50% or 60% of the encrypted data is ever successfully restored. So even when you're paying the ransom, like you're paying the bad guys and getting the decryptor key, a lot of times that decryptor key is shit and you don't actually get your data back or don't get all of it back. 
which I think is a is you know um, something that not not enough people talk about. Of you know you, you can you can even pay off the bad guys and you still might be screwed. Exactly, and I mean I think you know it's something to understand too. So number one, right? I I totally agree because you you've still got to trust the the person who's. Yeah, you have to go trust the criminals. And, you know, I would think the mature ones don't want to ruin business, so they'll give you the key. But, you know, who, who am I? Um, I'm on the other side of this equation. But the thing, too, you know, when you look at a ransomware attack is, well, the possibility is that they're going to exfil your data before they encrypt it so they have a copy of it. And again, if that's data that's been, that's microshard data, well, you're, you're hosed. I mean, they're hosed, you know, because it's, uh, you got nothing. You got a steaming pile, if, if I may be so crude. Yeah. Double extortion. It's just, just another data, data theft and resale. It's just another line of business for ransomware guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that way, even if you exfil before you encrypt, you're still back to getting nothing from us. Who's interested in this, Mark? Um, you know, Shard, Shard Secure, a uh, fairly new company on the marketplace. Who are you talking to? We're getting a lot of interest. So, I mean, you know, finance, any, anyone in the FinServe has been very interested in, in what we're doing. Again, that, that makes sense. Healthcare, of course, because anyone who's dealing with private information, PII, PHI, exactly. So that, that helps a lot. Um, we are hearing from governmental agencies who are interested. We're hearing from higher education. Uh, what we're looking at is anyone who is either a subject to GDPR uh, or whose business or is they're trying to do business in the EU, um, you know, SaaS providers. So that's been an, an interesting and growing conversation that we're having with, say, U.S. Uh, SaaS providers who want to do business in Europe. But there's the whole data residency question. So being able to micro shard on the back end as part of the stack is something that is, you know, it's been a conversation now we've been starting to have with a number of SaaS providers. So we're looking at it from the end user. I mean, pharma, I'm just thinking, you know, again, these popping into my head. So uh, even tech companies, you know, looking at uh, you know, kind of like if you look at software supply chain attacks, so if they can micro shard their code then that protects them there. So yeah, from, from all of those, those are the big ones we're getting. I'd say finance, healthcare, pharma, uh, government, and then even you know, SaaS providers in general. Does this um, complicate application delivery or, uh, or is it more or less transparent for the companies and the end users who are who are using the shard secure i'd say it's more or less transparent again where we're software so we can either be an on on-prem vms or run in the cloud either or so there's not our hardware to go and and rack and do anything with there so we can be deployed pretty quickly and then even just set up as storage so if i'm an application owner, I just see storage. So there's really, whether it's an IP address or something like that, that I need to configure that I'd have to do that anyways. So there's really nothing more for the application owner to do. And from an IT and a security perspective, you know, there may be policies and, and pointing to which uh, storage locations they want to use. But again, I mean, that can be done easily within a day, if not, if not less. So the idea too, is to make it as, as 
painless as possible. I mean, even even if I decide I want to move from, you know, and this is something that we we hear about too, those that don't want to avoid vendor lock-in, like cloud vendor lock-in. Um, so hopefully no cloud providers are listening to this. But, um, you know, but it's easy for... Th- <laughs> that was Paul. That wasn't me. Uh, you know, but it, it's easy to move. Like I actually was, you know, I'm a former SE. So I'm like, show me how this works. It's literally four clicks. So if I want to move something out of, from one provider to another and the application users never see a thing. So it's it's pretty, pretty painless to put in and set up and really doesn't require much configuration. What about latency? That's always a big issue with encryption, right? We should encrypt everything, but obviously it just adds a certain amount of processing overhead to any transaction and, and at scale, it can really slow things down. So so uh, what about the shard security? Yeah, that, uh, as you can imagine, comes up quite a bit. So where we're writing to different storage locations, we actually do that in parallel. Um, so we are seeing either you know the similar latency or, you know, like next to, next to none or improved performance. Uh, we're actually doing some benchmark testing right now to put some hard numbers around it. But in terms of any impact to network performance, we're, we're not seeing any or application performance. And we've actually now, one of these use cases, it's interesting because in my short time here, new use cases keep presenting themselves. And one of them is around streaming video, for example. So those that are using um, CCTV, for example, in order to encrypt it, and again, I'm not talking about in 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 motion. I'm talking about on the the server that's receiving everything. Either companies are not encrypting that information, or what they're doing is just they've got to add so much hardware to accelerate the performance it becomes cost prohibitive. So we're seeing an interest in folks, whether they're municipalities, whether they're gaming institutions, what have you. Um, in using micro sharding because we're not impacting the performance of the application. So we're pretty performant in that sense. And like I said, we're, we're putting some benchmark numbers together so that we can actually give hard numbers. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, kind of being frenemies that the shard secure solution kind of frenemies with encryption providers, PKI data encryption. And you mentioned you know, encryption isn't going anywhere. It's mandated by so many regulations. And I wonder, you're absolutely right. And, you know, that's true in general in security is there are a lot of technologies that, you know, more or less are are kind of written into law as it were, you know, like you just, you got to use them if you're handling certain types of data or if you're in a certain industry. Does that, does that complicate things for a vendor like Shard who's coming along really with a new approach to a, to a well-known, well-established problem in, in that, you know, um, how do we, you know, if it's GDPR or if it's HIPAA, how do you come along as a, as a newcomer with new technology like Shard and say, you know, you should be able to use this too, maybe in some cases, even in lieu of encryption and, 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 and yeah, you know, that's, that's the, the blessing and the curse of coming in with something new because a lot of people don't know what what it is that we do or how that it how it works. So there's an education perspective to go along with just the regular trying to generate awareness uh, to to show how we're different. I mean, realistically, you look at something like HIPAA. Do we expect them to change for us? No, I, I don't think that's realistic. Uh, no, no, <laughs> yeah, I think don't hold your breath. You know, with any kind of 
governing body, especially when things are prescriptive, uh, that that's a lot of runway that you need to make any changes. So, but that's the thing is, so we're not really focused on trying to get a regulation to change. I mean, when you look at GDPR, you know, in terms of data in motion, there it, it does specifically say encryption, which, which is fine, um, but it really doesn't specify it anywhere else. So that's one way that that we can help. But there are a number of use cases that we have in front of us that you know aren't solved by encryption or aren't uh, you know I don't even want to say competitive, but where it's not even a a topic. Um, so we we get into it in some places, but a lot of what we do isn't in lieu of. And and then the thing is too, what we'll see is because we can micro shard encrypted data. Uh, we do have customers that say, all right, these are the crown jewels. We want as much protection on these as possible. And we'll add micro sharding on top of that. But really, there's a lot for us to focus on without even getting into a, a knife fight over encryption. And again, any regulating body, these things, I mean, my my days in the the ICS space is... You know, I've spent enough time around NERC SIP <laughs> you know, to know how this stuff works. And uh, there, there's more than enough uh, uh, other things we can focus on than, than changing regs at the moment. To those use cases, um, for folks who may be listening, what would be types of customers or problems uh, would be a good good uh, entree to Yeah, sure. To I uh, Just off the top of my head, and of course, you can go to shardsecure.com where we have a use cases page. Uh, but just even securing backups to the cloud, because again, you think of uh, a ransomware attack, other than what we're talking about with cloud-based, just any ransomware attack, you know, the backups are your key, but they'll attack your backups too. So if those are micro-sharded, that's a benefit. Uh, even though people going into the cloud, I mean, I think uh, there are a lot of organizations that went with, uh, you know, say the low-risk stuff, but if you need to bring in the high-risk stuff, that that's where we're seeing a drawback or i should say people holding back so we can certainly help with with protecting those things i mean even seeing it uh i, I don't know if i told you a story you know, around data analytics i mean uh, out of the top six reasons i saw this was in a, a 451 report uh three of them are that we address you know so data mm -hmm. privacy data security multi-cloud management mm -hmm. so there there are a lot of things that we can do so basically if you have mm -hmm. to store data that you need protected Odds are we can help you. Mark Blackmar of Shard Secure, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on Security Ledger Podcast. It's been great having you back. Thanks, Paul. It's great to come back. Thanks for talking to me. Mark Blackmar is the head of marketing at the firm Shard Secure. You've been listening to a spotlight edition of the Security Ledger Podcast sponsored by Shard Secure. Shard Secure is the world's most innovative data security company, disrupting the data privacy and security market with MicroShard technology, the only solution capable of breaking data into single-digit bytes and distributing across cloud locations without sacrificing performance. MicroSharding provides zero data sensitivity for cloud-stored or on-prem data and can be used with or without encryption to provide true defense in depth. Shard Secure works with some of the world's most successful companies in healthcare, financial services, and technology to ensure ultimate data privacy and compliance, while making data migration to the cloud more secure and faster than ever. Check them out at shardsecure.com.